If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome. We are uh, interviewing Rachel today and we've had a few uh, tech troubles. Uh, My internet's not good and we've had the power out this morning and school's been cancelled and all that kind of stuff. But we are here um, and hopefully we've got a good internet connection. We'll have to see how it goes. But I'm really, really happy to have you here, Rachel. And I know you've stayed up uh, late at night, so I really appreciate that. Um, Rachel is a a doula and a chef in Pennsylvania in the US and yeah she'll tell you all about her special sauce which is food Um, and yeah I might just let you introduce yourself do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do yeah sure Um, so yeah I'm a doula and chef Um, I work with women in the same ways you would expect a postpartum doula in this particular collective to work with a mother, verbal processing, massage, um, lactation, sleep solutions, all of that. But then um, my original background is in culinary arts. So I have a culinary arts degree before I even started this. So it's been a really great marriage for me of um, learning to use food as medicine, which was something that I was already interested in. Um, And so I'm really cooking for very specific, um, what I would say would be like postpartum symptoms. So all of those things like insomnia and water retention and all of these things and, and helping women to overcome um, those struggles through food. Yeah. I love um, it. I, I also um, just recently have started um, a mother's circle Um, and, um, I started working with adoptive clients as well, which has been Mm -hmm. really rewarding and and really interesting process. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love the range of people we have in the collective. I always learn so much from you. It's yeah, that's brilliant. (laughs) Um, and that makes sense when you say culinary arts, why your website and your food always looks so amazing. (laughs) What you do is so beautiful. And I feel like even just looking at it is nourishing. (laughs) Oh, well, that's the goal. And I tried to be so specific about what I present that it's always like a really warm color palette and there's lots of dishes with steam coming out and that it just makes you feel nourished even from a distance is my goal. So that's lovely to hear. (laughs) That's perfect. It definitely achieves that goal. Um, but then how did you come to postpartum work from being a chef? What, um, what kind of woke you up to that as, as a vocation? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think probably, as is the case for lots of women doing this work, it was really um, born out of my own pain um, and my own suffering. So I was pregnant. I got pregnant with my daughter. Um, she was a surprise. Um, we had only been married like seven months. So that's a, a challenge within itself. But um, I was diagnosed um, right off the bat, like before I'd even gotten a, a positive test. I was in the hospital because I was just so, so sick and we couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, I was losing a lot of weight. So um, I was diagnosed with HG, hyperemesis, 
Mm. Um, and so um, my pregnancy was just um, and very long and in and out of the hospital for IVs and I was on bed rest um, for the nine months and it was just, it was really hard. So I was already struggling with depression in pregnancy. Um, so I was really not set up for success in any way, shape or form. And then um, I had a pretty difficult labor. Um, I had like a lot of stuff going in labor, like broke my tailbone and all of these like crazy things. Um, and so had a, an additional, I want to say it was like three or four months of continued bed rest after, um, I had my daughter. So I, it was just really dark and I, I was experiencing that hole in healthcare, um, so vividly because I was going to doctors and trying to explain to them what was going on and how I wasn't okay. But at the same time, like sort of worried about really voicing how not okay I was. Um, and it was, you are being hormonal, you are being emotional. Um, every woman experiences this. You are not special. Um, this is what new motherhood looks like, that sort of thing. So I just um, started doing my own research while I had all of that time in bed and I started reading and Googling thank God for Google sometimes. Mm. <laughs> and um, I stumbled across other women doing this work. You were one of them, Julia. Um, because I, I looked around in the U.S. and I couldn't find anything um, like the way that I wanted to address women um, and not just newborn care or babysitting mm. or housework. I wanted to work with the whole woman. I wanted I wanted no woman to have to go through what I went through. So I looked around in the U S and there just wasn't hardly anything. Um, and then ended up finding your program and, um, it all kind of snowballed from there rather fast, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really taken off for me pretty fast, which is great. But yeah, it's been, it was like the perfect marriage with food from what I was already doing before I had my daughter. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And from memory, you did only join the collective a year or so ago. It hasn't been that long, has it? It hasn't. It hasn't been that long. And before that, so my daughter is nearly four. Um, mm -hmm. And before that, I was like dabbling in this. Um, I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't find really anyone to train me the way I wanted to be trained. So mm -hmm. I was kind of just doing it on the side and, and feeling like I was floundering and very much swimming upstream. Mm -hmm. When I joined the collective, I felt like no one is going to hire me for this. <laughs> you know, no one is interested in the kind of work. People just want me to come take care of their baby, um, which of course is a small portion of it, but it wasn't all that I wanted to do. So um, yeah, the collective was huge for me and, and just being a real launching point. For me feeling empowered I think yeah and has that been your experience that no one wants to hire you and no one wants this work <laughs> oh my gosh not at all I mean I wouldn't be here if that was not the case <laughs> I, um it has been just a wild first year I cannot believe this is my first year of business I I mean I started getting clients pretty much right away when I started kind of adapting some of the um, 
business models that you were talking about in a sales funnel, or I don't know, what have we, I feel like you've changed that terminology and yeah, I can't remember what you call it now. Yeah, we stopped calling it sales funnels because <laughs> I think people are finding it too overwhelming and we're yeah. starting to call them customer journey maps. <laughs> yes, but it's customer journey maps. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, um, yeah, I, I started kind of putting some of those things into practice. I really, my personality is to go really hard after something. Like I just go all in and I might fall flat on my face, but I just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. This time, thankfully, I did not fall flat on my face. <laughs> um, but I, um, yeah, I just started doing that and um, started getting clients. And now I'm booked almost an entire year out. I have, um, I'm turning clients away because I'm, I'm a mom too. I stay home with my daughter. So there, I can only do like two or three women a month. And that's kind of like cat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I've started this mother's circle and I've been networking and, um, my cookbook is, um, coming out. October 5th and like things just like really, really just exploded. So it's been really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's so much I want to ask you about. That's such an amazing story. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I, you, you really can't say there's like a normal experience with people starting a business. For some people, it's very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, it obviously was. For me, it was too. As soon as I applied those, the marketing techniques that I now teach, Um, I think I got my first client within two weeks or something. It was so Mm -hmm. fast for me. But Mm -hmm. definitely for other people, it takes a lot longer. And this can depend on how much time they've got and, you know, where they live and even just how quickly they are prepared to fail because a lot of people who are more afraid of falling flat on their face, they won't even try things out. And I think that's Mm -hmm. um, probably the biggest barrier that holds people back Mm -hmm. because you will fall flat on your face. There's always going to be something, isn't there, that doesn't go to plan. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely had a few, um, I don't know if you would call it duds, but just interactions with women who I thought, well, this is going great and it didn't end up going great at all. Um, Yes. Or just feeling, you know, I started teaching workshops. My first workshop, of course, I felt like, oh, that was terrible. And I'm no good at public speaking and no one's going to book with me. And then, of course, three women booked with me afterwards. So it's more about, I have felt like it's more about overcoming my own self-talk and my doubts about myself because they're often just not true. And what I tell myself other women want, you know, I... I live in an area, so Lancaster County, Pennsylvania is um, highly populated by Amish and Mennonite communities. So I had started doing this work in Denver, Colorado, which is much more progressive in a sense and um, holistically minded. So then we moved here and I just thought, oh my goodness, I cannot sell, I cannot sell this here. Like women are so, are really and truly oppressed in a lot of ways here. Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't invest in themselves and they don't see their work as mothers, as anything that's valuable or equal. And so, but then once I started doing this, it was almost like this underground work of like women coming to me and like telling me, this is how I really feel or wanting to process things with me. Or I really, Mm -hmm. really, can you sell my husband on this? I really, really want this and things like that. So um, I realized that women were really hungry for it 
you know, no matter where you are. I think women yeah. are really hungry for it. Yeah, I think that's really true. And sometimes it's a subconscious hunger, but I think often the world will reflect back to you what you're projecting. And if you're hiding your own truth, um, mm. then, then that will be what the world sends back to you yeah. as well. But if you really start opening up like you've just done today and really saying, you know what, this was a really dark time for me, then you'll find that other women can come to you and feel safe to tell you about their dark times too mm. and, and the help that they really are craving. Yeah. Yeah. Vulnerability, I think just breeds that in, ev- in other people. And, mm. um, and the more that I can be super vulnerable with the women that I'm interacting with, the more that they give back to me, you know, have a, it, I think it's like proven that if you give, um, or you pour into a woman, she turns right around and pours right back into her community. I think women are just built that way. Mm, um, I agree. So, I think I've definitely witnessed that um, just in the circles that I've been serving here. So it's been Mm -hmm. really beautiful. Yeah. So you've touched on this a little bit, but there are any other fears and challenges that you've um, had to overcome along this journey? Oh, you know, I think as a chef and having worked in, so up until I became a doula, I was doing like personal chef work and catering private parties and things like that. And so the nature of being a chef is to be behind doors and to sort of be untouchable and no one ever sees your face. So I think the twist for me was, you know, showing my face rather than my food, because I know I can produce a beautiful plate, but it's much more vulnerable to even just talking on my Instagram stories about things or teaching workshops or things like that and really getting out there. And then again, vulnerability comes with that too. So, um, for me, um, again, overcoming my own self doubt. Um, I, so you're going to see vulnerability is just like how I roll. It's a huge theme in my life. (laughs) So I, you're, I'm going to get all kinds of vulnerable, I, um, so I grew up in a really damaged household and as a child was just, um, abused in a lot of different ways, um, and just told that I, I wasn't good enough and my ideas would never work. And I was too fat and I was too loud and I was too emotional, like all of these things. And so, um, I've always carried all of those labels. Um, but there's been something about this work that has been, healing for me just to realize that I have so much to offer and um, it's just been really empowering. So in some ways that was my biggest challenge, but it's also put all of those fears and those doubts to rest for me. Um, Mm. And just having other women affirm like, Oh, your, your presence is so calming or I feel lighter when you leave or um, you know, there was, um, one mother that I worked with, it was her first child and I was getting ready to leave. I had, she was sitting down to nurse. And so I just had set her up with a couple of my lactation cookies and some hot tea and was getting to ready to slip out the door. And I was out on the front walk and she came to the door and called me back and she, and I turned around and she was crying and I was like, Oh, what's, you know, what's going on? And she was holding the cookie in her hand with like one bite out of it. 
And she was like, I've never had a cookie that made me cry. And it was just like the sweetest. I, and so then of course, like I start crying and she was like, this is like incredible. I just feel like I can taste, you know, your heart for me behind it. And it was like so moving to me to see what food could do, what my food could do. Um, so it was, yeah, I think it's been really empowering for me. Um, wow. That is, yeah. um, that is a magic story. That is so, I amazing. know it's one of my favorites and she was a sort of magical person. So <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Hey there, I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that if you are really enjoying this episode, then you'll really enjoy Newborn Mothers Collective too. The Collective is online postpartum training and professional development with over a thousand students from 40 different countries around the world. Wherever you are in your postpartum career, taking your first step or with decades of experience, if you feel a deep calling to work with new families during this life-changing transformation, Newborn Mothers Collective is for you. Learn more over at newbornmothers.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Um, so food is obviously your special source, but can you maybe tell us a little bit more, what does, a, what does a, a client look like for you? How do you work with them? What do you do? Yeah. Um, so I, I usually work with them for six to eight weeks um, and then we'll do um, a visit, two visits a week. Usually they're about three hours long. And so the first sort of hour is just kind of what I call a download and we'll, you know, usually make her a cup of tea and really get a good feel for what's going on in your body, what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your spirit and um, figuring out how I can serve her that day. And then I get in the kitchen after that once she's comfortable and I usually spend about an hour cooking um, I try to do big batches of whatever I'm making so that it's going to last her to my next visit. So I might, I'll usually do, um, like one main dish, a snack, and maybe a couple beverages like hot teas and maybe a smoothie or something like that. And, um, pack it all up with post-it notes, which was your trick <laughs> that you taught me. <laughs> I get, I have so many post-its now. Um, pack it all up in her fridge. I usually serve the meal to her. And then the last hour is whatever she needs. I might do a bit of massage. We might do an herbal bath. Um, I grew up um, in a really holistic household as a child. So my mother used essential oils and herbs and ground her own wheat to make her own bread and was just like very in touch with all of that. And so that has continue to be a theme for me and my work of using herbs. And so I might do some of that, but often I just wear the baby and run the vacuum and mama sleeps or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And by the end of six to eight weeks, I really feel like it's, um, I just have gained another dear friend, another woman in the circle. It's just, um, it's just one long continuous line, you know, um, of all these women that I'm connected with and continue to be in touch with. So yeah, it feels a lot less like work by the end of six weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so, so beautiful. Mm. So beautiful. Mm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your cookbook you said that's coming out? Yeah. Um, it's a uh, e-cookbook and um, uh, yeah, it's come coming out October 5th. It's a collection of recipes 
um, that are specific to the postpartum period and um, focused on healing the new mother's body. Um, so there's, um, a, I write a little forward. Um, it's mostly using Ayurvedic medicine. Um, so similar to some of the things that you've done, Julia, but um, I uh, have recipes in there for specific things as well. Like I said, um, uh, a lot of it's geared toward digestion because the more I've worked with mothers, the more I realize that there's a lot of things that just sort of spring out of digestion. Um, and all mothers have such poor digestion. So it's um, pretty heavily spiced, but it's nothing too funky. They're all really, really simple recipes. I um, really tried to simplify things. And um, the whole cookbook is very accessible and warm. And um, the goal was that it, it would be purchased to pass on to somebody else that you're not actually cooking any of this food for yourself, right? Yes, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, which has been really fun. I, I have like a pre-order list and I've had so many emails of women saying, I'm getting this for like my daughter-in-law or I'm getting this for my mother and things like that. So that makes me really happy. That's yeah, beautiful. and that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, and one more thing I want to ask about is your um, mother's circles. You're just starting those? Yeah, just starting it. Um, I, it's been pretty simple. I mean, it's really, I feel like I've learned so much just as I go. I, I'm not an expert in any of this, although I do think that um, if you're in this work, you're called to it. There's a really deep sense of that for me. It feels like finally trying on like the right pair of jeans. Like I've just <laughs> been trying to figure out like, what am I supposed to do? Um, and so this is, it fits everything about who I am. Um, mm -hmm. and so I tried to keep it really simple. Um, we normally just talk about whatever, what's going on for each woman that month. And I feel like out of that springs a lot of questions or a lot of, Oh, me too. Um, and so I sometimes feel like I hardly facilitate it because everyone's just sort of mm -hmm. doing their thing. Um, and um, I'm also partnering with um, a woman's health coach. And in the spring, we're launching something we're calling the greenhouse. Um, and it's going to be a more intensive um, group of eight women. And then it, the program will be for three months long. Um, and the premise of it is um, basically how to grow a mother. And so we're starting all the way at conception um, and doing fertility and um, birth, postpartum, infant care. And then at the end, we have like a Q&A farm to table dinner with like a whole panel of like lactation consultant and um, placenta encapsulation and that kind of thing. And just really Beautiful. walking women through, like, these are what your options are. Women, I just feel like we don't know our bodies well enough to feel like we have power over them or be our own health advocates. So our goal is not to teach women how to be mothers, but just to empower them and give them their options and their choices and also help them to form a close-knit group, um, their village, to walk through that journey with. So um, we're really excited. We, um, we've been teaching workshops together, and they've been really successful, and we just feel like they keep getting sold out faster and faster, and we keep wanting to like dig into things a little bit deeper. So 
Um, and she's really, really knowledgeable with um, hormone health and things like that. So um, mm. yeah, so that'll be in the spring and that's really Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, and so what would you tell the women who are kind of thinking about working with newborn mothers? You know, maybe they already do, but they're not sure if they want to really commit to the business side of things or they're having doubts about whether they they can or they're good enough or, or, you know, fear of visibility, all of these things that come up. But do you have anything to say to women who are kind of just feeling like they're on the fence at the moment? Oh, gosh. I... Um... I think the number one thing that women do is compare ourselves to one another. And so I think that that's what holds a lot of women back from doing what they want to do because someone might be doing it better somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't think that that's true when it comes to this. We we'll think that we should ever be in a comparison game, but every woman just has her own twist to this. And it's so amazing. That's why I love the collective as, seeing all of these women doing the work, but they're doing it so differently and, and so uniquely. I don't think that that should ever be a reason um, to hold back. But the other thing is um, I just was reading this article the other day and you may have maybe heard of this about um, um, just this idea that um, and for me, this means that this work is not just about me, not just about you. It's about all the generations of women that are trickling down from us and from the women that we're serving. Um, But this idea that, you know, like when a baby girl is in utero, she's born with all of her eggs, however many that is, 300,000 or something like that. And so when you're pregnant with a girl, you're pregnant with the generations that come, you're pregnant with your own grandchildren Mm -hmm. in a sense, like, what you give your body and how you treat your body is trick is literally impacting generations behind you. And so all the time, like there's no one else in this area doing this kind of work. And I'm constantly having to turn women away because I can't um, like maintain my goals as a mother um, and protect that time with my daughter and do all of it. Um, and I just keep thinking, oh, we just need more women and all the women that are on the fence and unsure if they have, what they have to offer is valuable. I just would want to say, it's not just about you. Like it's about your daughters and it's about the daughters of all the other women that you have the opportunity to impact. And I just, I think that we have to, in order to see a better change for ourselves, we have to realize that change in other women so yeah 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 I love that I I, I completely agree it is just so much more about the individual and um, for me that really helps me to overcome a lot of my fears and my doubts because I realize that um, it's actually not about me um, yeah. but it's just so much bigger and in, in our society we don't tend to think about future generations anymore we've sort of lost that but but I think we really ought to start thinking about future generations. Um, that's yeah. a really valuable gift. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel. That was just completely amazing. Uh, and if anyone wants to have a look, Rachel's business is called Nourish Her Doula and it, the website is Nourish Her Doula. So it's N-O-U-R-I-S-H 
E-R-D-O-U-L-A.com. Anyway, I'll pop that up in the show notes in case you can't um, figure it out. But it is a beautiful website. I do recommend you go and check it out. Um, and, yeah, thank you. Do you have anything else you want to add before we say goodbye? Oh, gosh, no, I don't think so. Oh, except that I was going to say um, uh, I don't know if there's anyone that's, like, more well-suited to this than I am, but I've recently um, seen a huge need in like two groups of mothers, one being adoptive mothers and Mm -hmm. one being um, mothers who've suffered a loss or a miscarriage of some sort Mm -hmm. or a stillbirth. Um, And I did a little bit of market research um, this past year and was just finding that those two groups of mothers were feeling completely neglected. Like, like they weren't valid mothers because they weren't traditional mothers or even women. So I started working with adoptive mothers and it's been a beautiful process, but women who I've never had a miscarriage. And so I, I feel like there's an element that I don't fully understand, but women who have lost a baby, a couple of my clients that's happened to, um, it's, they've communicated to me that I, I'm experiencing all the same things like my body is mm. is grieving in all the same ways as if I'd given birth and so I don't know that's just been on my heart recently um, and so if I could plant that seed for someone else or if anyone else has ideas or resources I'd love to develop a package for women who have experienced loss I think that would be a great need but that's my only caveat <laughs> no I, I love it I completely agree and you know you've maybe think because I know in the graduate program we do have some extra training on grief and loss but we don't have extra training on on um, supporting adoptive families and I think that would be really great if we could get someone in to teach us uh, about that kind of stuff because yeah like you I kind of feel like if I haven't lived that experience and and I haven't really had a lot of yeah I, I don't really have a lot of even academic understanding you know other than having like you just met women and and seen this need but it would be great if we could get someone in to um teach us more about that and if anyone is listening to this and going oh my god that's me then there you go there's a niche for you yeah Yeah, exactly everyone has a niche yeah it's been really rewarding for me too because i have two adopted siblings my two youngest siblings are adopted and so it's been a um a neat a theme for me just to mm. serve those kinds of families and really dig into what do adoptive mothers need? It's, it's really the same needs that a mm-hmm. uh, biological mother needs, you know, when it boils down to it. Um, I did a focus group and it was at the end of it. I was like, okay, so this is the same exact thing as a woman who's given birth to her own child. So um, yeah, it's really, yeah, there's so many, so many places for us to serve. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like you said, it's it's not that the service needs to be that different. It's just that we need to notice that. We need to pay attention that these are people who, who also need that. Yeah, and yeah. the world we live in, there's so many ways to become a mother so or a parent. And so many ways to become a doula. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll see you in the, in the graduates group again. So thanks, All Rachel. Right. Yeah, sounds good. Bye. Thanks, Julia. Bye. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high-quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.